1: The program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, with Positive Living, here's Patricia Raskin.
2: Well, good morning, everyone, if you're on the West Coast, and good afternoon, everyone, if you're on the East Coast. You are listening to Positive Living and I'm Patricia Rask and this is the program that shows you how to turn your obstacles into opportunities, your problems into solutions and to really make your dreams come true and also shows you how to get the support you need. And today we have a great show that's such an example of that. I have two inspirational guests with very inspirational stories about overcoming the odds, about really turning obstacles into opportunities. If you're listening today, which is the 20th of April, you can call us live at 866-472-5787. Today we are talking about finding your answer, your healing, your own purpose, and finding your way through the maze of, um, of childhood pain and trauma. And my guest is Sharon Jones, who is a motivational speaker, parenting educator, and international board-certified lactation consultant who works with families dealing with abuse and emotional trauma. She was born in the Caribbean islands, raised in Great Britain, the United States, and Africa by Christian missionaries, and she's a third-generation musician and vocalist who possesses a unique style of ministering, and she has shared and traveled this all around the world sharing her stories. And really, she tells her story, seeing this through the eyes of a young child who had to overcome pain from the death of loved ones with heartache of betrayal and abuse and shame and torment. Welcome, Sharon.
3: Thank you, and good morning, Patricia. Good morning.
2: Okay, your book is a memoir, and it's called She Found It in the Clouds, and it's an incredible story that really gives your life testimony to the power of God to complete healing and forgiveness and restoration and peace and love in your life.
3: That is correct.
2: Tell us about the early story, Sharon as a Little Girl, and how this kind of started.
3: Sharon as a Little Girl began um, in the island of Jamaica, uh, while tucked safely in my mother's womb, um, simply because my well, my my mother was uh, raped um, by my father. And because my mother was a pastor's daughter back in the early 60s, it was not acceptable for, you know, a pregnant uh, teenager to stay in the home. So because of her situation, my mother was forced to have to leave on the night that she revealed uh, what was uh, growing inside of her, mm. uh, struggling with so many issues. Uh, ultimately, um, I was born on that hot summer's day in June, and my grandmother um, had been working on uh, trying to um, place me, if you might say, in a safe atmosphere because my mother was unable to raise me. So I was adopted, upon my birth mm-hmm. and uh, separated from my mom.
2: But you were adopted by your
3: grandmother. I was actually adopted by my aunt, mm-hmm. uh, my mother's sister and her husband, who were at the time living in England, yes. Mm. And so, you know, after being uh, separated from my mother, I never saw her again until I became a late teenager. And... um I left Jamaica at the age of six years old, uh, after being raised by my grandmother and another aunt for the first six years. And uh, okay, let's let's stop there. That was a very heavy sentence. Sure.
2: After being raped by your grandmother.
3: No, raised,
2: raised, raised. I was going to say that 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 just didn't sound right. Raised. Okay. Good. (laughs) Oh no. That's good. Okay. So you were raised by your grandmother and.
3: Your aunt, and, and yes, another aunt that was living in Jamaica, uh, at the age of six years old, it was time for me to transition from Jamaica to England, where I would now be living with my new parents.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Yes, ma'am. so what um guess the
2: question is where Where did you feel the first trauma? Was it Is a very little girl um, being raised by your mother your grandmother and your aunt, or did it come later?
3: I would say my first experience of trauma was being taunted and teased by the neighborhood children because. At a young age, just because they were mean, mm. every day when I would walk from school, I I, I re- remember about four years old. We would pass a cemetery every day, and the children would they would just scare the living daylights out of me and tell me ghosts were going to get me, and then they mm. would take off running. Mm-hmm. And it resulted in me having nightmares and nosebleeds and, you know, wetting my bed. And just, it was so traumatic for me as a little child. And it continued in my growth process, even into my teenage years and my adulthood, mm-hmm. because these kids were so horrible to me. Mm-hmm. But that is the first experience that I can go back and recall.
2: Okay, now let's talk about being raised. By your grandmother and your aunt. Yes. What was the next piece that was problematic that you got through?
3: Well, I think it was the separation at such a young age. Again, as I said, initially my mother, she had me, she moved on with her life. I never saw her again. Mm-hmm. I was dealing with separation issues, and at the time I didn't know that. You know, now that I'm established and grown up, I understand it now. But just, it's as if as soon as I would um, uh, become involved in new relationships, they would leave my life. Mm-hmm. And so then, at in some point,
2: way, you were choosing what you had as a child.
3: That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. I was very protective and not realizing it. But, um, Sharon,
2: yeah. advice to other women? Because you're not alone. Millions of women have done this. Yes. Um, you know, if they've had separation or they've had abandonment issues, they'll find themselves choosing people, choosing men uh, who leave them or who abandon them, who are not available for them. Yes. So my question is, and I know I've read in your book, You're Happily Married. Yes. How did you turn that around? How did you take that? Because it's a dynamic and it's a pattern and it's a tough one. Yes. How did you turn that around?
3: You know what I had to do? The first thing I had to do was to find out who Sharon really was. Mm -hmm. I had to face the brokenness within myself Mm -hmm. and learn and grow from there. I did not realize the strength that I had inside of me. I had to come to a place of basically depression Mm -hmm. with the different things happening in my life that caused me to just get to that place of silence where I literally shut down. I stopped talking to people. I stopped communicating. I went into my own world. And while being in that space, that's where I had that divine intervention of where it was impressed upon me to put whatever was inside of me on paper. And when I did... I learned so much about who Sharon was. I learned how strong I was. I learned how beautiful I was. I learned that I was a woman that had destiny and that I was not that abandoned person that, you know what I'm saying, because of the experiences, I thought that I was. Mm -hmm. So something
2: called to you, for some people it's a higher power for you, it was God.
3: Yes. Um
2: something called to you and said, okay, there's something different here for you.
3: That's right.
2: And once you got that, Sharon, did your behavior start to change? And I'm asking you this because so many women have been through this.
3: Yes, yes. It actually did. And I'll be honest with you, I know that there is power in God. Let me say it like that. Because while I was searching for all of the many broken pieces of who Sharon was, Mm -hmm. I remember one day while in college I was taking an early development class, and I, one of my teachers, she was a psychologist. I went to her after class because I was, I was just broken and weeping, and I said to her, I need to talk to you. This was the beginning of my journey. Mm-hmm. And she said to me, well, you know, check your insurance, excuse me, check your insurance, see what's available. <laughs> this is what I charge, blah, blah, blah. Mm. I did not even share it with my husband. Because I knew that I could not afford her services, Mm -hmm. I had no other options, I thought. That is when, like I said, I cried out to God from a place in the depth of my soul, and I said to God, I need help. Mm -hmm. Because whatever was affecting me on the inside was affecting my marriage, Mm -hmm. was affecting my relationships, it was affecting everything, simply because I was not whole, I was not
2: complete. And don't you think also what happens is that we almost buy the party line? Yes. In other words, we, we buy that, you know, that old image that you had as a little girl being yes. left or, or that separation mm-hmm. that's so in your head that you actually believe that yes. on some level. Yes. And until you can stand outside of it, as you said, and say, wow, oh, that's not me. I'm not separated. I'm connected. And it changes. Are you there? I think we might have lost Sharon. I'm here. I'm here. Oh, good. Okay. I said, and then once we realize we're not separated but we're connected, then it changes.
3: That's right. That's right. Think about a person that grows up believing that they are nobody. Mm -hmm. You lack self-esteem. You lack vision. You lack hope. You don't think that there is no way that you can succeed and make it. And I tell you, when you realize that, indeed, you were created for a purpose, let me tell you, it's liberating. Mm.
2: All right, we're going to take a break. And, Sharon, how can people get a hold of you, particularly women who are struggling with low self-esteem, who yeah. are struggling with abandonment issues, or feel that they're on the wrong track and they just feel defeated, my help people do you work with women?
3: The uh, email contact is shadowje, that's S-H-A-D-O-J-E, at AOL.com. Okay. Uh, a number that they can call is 510 Those are d- the direct ways that w- people can get in touch with
2: me. Okay, just say those one more time.
3: The f- uh, phone number is area code 510 510- seven five four zero six six one. Email is S H A D O J E at A O L dot com.
2: Okay. And you will write to folks and you I assume that you give talks and workshops.
3: Yes, I do, most definitely.
2: Okay. All right. My guest today is Sharon Jones and she is the author of She Found It in the Clouds. She's a parenting educator, an international board certified lactations consultant who works with families dealing with abuse and emotional trauma. She and her loving husband of 22 years live in California and have four children. Listening to Positive Living, I'm Patricia Raskin, right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. And you can write to me, Patricia, at patriciaraskin.com. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back.
5: the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
2: Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. Today we're talking about hope and inspiration and really what I talk about, which is turning obstacles into opportunities and challenges into solutions. My guest is Sharon M. Jones. Her book is She Found It in the Clouds. It's a memoir, an autobiography, and she's a parenting educator and an international international board-certified lactation consultant. She works with families dealing with abuse and emotional trauma. And Her book really is about a journey of seeing through the eyes of a young girl, which was her, who learns how to overcome pain and death of loved ones, from heartache to betrayal and abuse and hidden shame and torment. She finds it in the clouds, and she talks about the power of God to complete healing and forgiveness and peace and love. Welcome back, Sharon. Thank you. You Now, one of the things in your book you talk about is that your mother was raped, but then at the age of 12, you were raped. Yeah. So now you had to deal with that. Plus, you were dealing with, you know, the whole idea of adoption, meaning that you were adopted, but also, where are my parents? Yes. So, there's a lot in there, particularly in the rape piece. Talk about that.
3: No one sets themselves up, I believe, no woman, no man, anyone, uh, to be defiled or to have their innocence taken from them, especially Mm -hmm. at an early age. But in reality, it happens in our society more than we want to even, Mm -hmm. you know, expose or talk about. What does it do when it happens to you? It strips you of your dignity. It leaves you with the greatest void in your life that perhaps you're the cause. You did this to yourself. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I can tell anybody that is listening that, you know what, it was not your fault and no, you did not create this. It happened and it was unfortunate. I can also say that there is hope out of a horrible experience like rape. Again, learning who you are, getting the support and the help that you need. And I tell people all the time that it's as if you want to just void and get rid of You know, like you're emptying uh, a garbage receptacle. You are a beautiful vessel that is holding a horrible secret that needs to be voided or emptied out of your soul.
2: Meaning you should talk about it. You should
3: talk about it because that's how healing comes about.
2: To a counselor, to a therapist, to a clergyman.
3: Yes, even if there is someone that you trust, genuinely trust, that you will not be judged or you know, treated differently, someone that you can be truthful. We have a hard time in our society dealing with truth. Mm -hmm. We have to come to that place where we support each other in being true with
2: who we really are. Which is why we sort of couch the issue and go around about it and give an innuendo and kind of say it in a certain way. Yes. But don't really say what what we mean. No,
3: we don't. And the reality is that, guess what, even though you keep it hidden, it manifests itself in so many other areas of our lives. Now, you went
2: through the, those, those tough issues, and your advice to women and to men yes. who have been adopted and are still kind of yearning, they, they, and it's not kind of, they're really yearning to know, where did I come from?
3: Yes. My advice to those who are looking for their biological uh, parents is to keep, Looking. I had the yearning in my soul from a little girl because I always knew that there were pieces of me that were missing, you know, that pieces that didn't fit. I remember as a a young woman going to the doctor and doing physicals, and I always looked perfect on paper because I didn't know my truth. And I started looking for my father, especially at the age of 14. Uh, Someone in the family knew him and tried to. Uh, you know, find him, Hello? and when they found him, they said he said to them, "Tell her I don't want to meet her, I don't want to have anything to do with her." Mm-hmm. I was disappointed it's as if someone had just stabbed me with a knife. Mm-hmm. However, I refused to give up, and I kept on going and At the age of twenty one, my family member set up the story and it is in the book, set it up. We drove to the city that my father lived in, and I was able to meet my father. And just going back when I was born, my father saw me for the verse the very first time and gave my mother what is equivalent to 25 cents. Mm. I had a vendetta all my life that I was going to pay my dad back that 25 cents. Mm. And so when I met him at the age of 21, we took everyone out to dinner and I was able to pay for the entire dinner. My father at that time didn't know who I was. Mm. And after we finished the meal, we went back to his home. And then my uncle revealed to my father who I was. And let me tell you, that vendetta that I had, I remember looking at my father in his face and I opened my mouth. And in my mind, I had already prepped myself to say, I was going to ask him, why did you know? Tell me what's going on. (laughs) And the only thing that came out of my mouth was, where have you been? And you said that to him. We said I said that to him. We yeah. erased. We what did he went, say? I'm sorry. What did he say? He he just kept looking at me and saying Sharon, Sharon. It was so emotional. Mm. And would you believe after I, I met him and we 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 visited for about thirty minutes and then I left because I was living in California, he was living in New York. Would you believe that five years after that, my father died of a massive heart attack. Mm. And the the police in the city of Hayward found me from a picture that I had given my dad on the day that I met him. Mm. And I was the one that got the opportunity to lay my father to rest with dignity. Mm. Let me tell you something. You. Anybody that's looking for their biological parents, don't stop until you find them. What did that do for you? While did it give you closure? Oh my God! That that hole that was in my soul, it is gone.
2: All right. Now, what do you say to people who didn't, who weren't fortunate enough to have that experience, or who didn't, who wanted that experience? Not everybody wants that experience, as you know. Not everybody does want to find their birth parent. But for those who are yearning and cannot, for some reason, they may be gone. They may have died. They may just, they just can't find them. Yes. What's your advice, there?
3: I will say to those that have no desire to find their biological parents, it's okay.
2: Whenever, and what if they want to and they can't?
3: And they want to and they can't, I will say, first of all, to pray, to pray. Because, listen, things have a way of working out for us. Sometimes we don't even know how things come about, but they do have a way of working out. If I could just, just a quick, quick story I'll share. My brother, who is one of the blessings that I received after my father passed away, my biological brother, I was able to go to Jamaica um, and find him. And I brought him to America. Now, remember, he'll never meet his father. I brought him to America, flew him to New York, took him to the cemetery Mm -hmm. where his father lies, and allowed him the opportunity to stand on his father's grave. And I gave my brother that privacy for, it was about 15 minutes. I watched my brother weep. I mean, he wept. Hmm. I will never know what he said to his dad. But when he came back to the car, he said to me, Sharon, thank you. Hmm. You will never know what this has done for me, because you at least got the opportunity to meet our father in life, from the day that my brother came into this world until that day, he had never laid eyes on his biological father. Mm. And I tell you, I was liberated because I was al- I was able to give my brother some closure. So I will say again to all of those that are seeking for their biological parents, whether they're deceased or they're al- they're alive, do what you must do in order to get your closure.
2: Right. All right. We have just a couple minutes left, so here's my question: From a woman who you know had to overcome the pain of death of loved ones, the heart of betrayal and abuse, and hidden shame and torment, to a woman who has worked it through, of yes. a happy marriage, you have wonderful children, what's the key? What do you say to people um, to give them help? What's your message,
3: Sharon? My message to the world is to look up. Mm-hmm. Whether your uh, belief is in God, in a higher power, whatever it might be for you, look up. Believe in yourself. Find out who you are and create the destiny that you desire for yourself, and it will come to pass. Hmm. Very
2: powerful, Sharon. Thank you. Very powerful. Tell us your contact information again for folks.
3: Again, the email is S-H-A-D-O-J-E at A-O-L dot com. That's shadowy dog? Shadow J. Shadow J. Okay. At AOL dot com. Website Sharon M. Jones dot net or 510-754-0661. I will give an alternate number, 510-728-4876. 510-728-4876. 510-728-4876.
2: Okay. It's really been a um, wonderful inspiration to have you on the program today and to really share from the heart your wonderful story of, uh, you. of hope and courage and inspiration. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you. Stay on the line. Thank you. My guest today has been Sharon Jones. Her book is She It in the Clouds. And you can get this book. You can go to wittywritings.com, correct? And they can also go to Amazon.com and get the book as well. Thank you, Sharon. Um, coming up next, we have another inspirational story. And so don't turn your dial, but do stay right with us. My guest is Karen Flyer, and she also has a memoir called Lost and Found. This is a memoir which chronicles the aftermath of a parental suicide, results of childhood trauma, substance abuse, anorexia, and the struggle of an abuse victim to find herself worthy of love. And she helps troubled children and gives some great advice of what we can do to prevent this. So, uh, stay with us for this next half hour, folks. And remember, you can log on to patriciaraskin.com. I have a blog. I have great newsletters. I'd love to have you sign up, so write to me. And I also have a positive living campaign where you write in your terrific stories about, um, things that have happened to you that are inspirational. Stories of forgiveness, random acts of kindness. We'd love to hear from you. All right, folks, you're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Mm
1: On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time here on voiceamerica.com.
3: I can take care of myself. I can make a peanut butter sandwich. I can brush my teeth and I can give myself a bath.
0: and pundit Michael DeMarco you don't know what's coming next the biggest radio show in the world on Voice America
5: the internet's number one talk station number one talk station voiceamerica.com
2: Well, hello, everyone, and we are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin, right here on Voice America, America's Voice. Today is the 20th of April, and if you're here with us live, you can call us at 866-472-5787. Today we're talking about overcoming the odds, about truly tremendous obstacles and trauma, and how you change them and transform your life. My first guest was Sharon Jones, who talked about this and, and in a memoir, and I have my second guest, who has a memoir, who's also talking about this in a different way. My guest today is Karen Flyer, and she was vaulted immediately at birth into the type of traumatic childhood fictionalized in novels. After dealing with the unfit parenting and subsequent suicide of her alcoholic manic-depressive father and the sexual abuse of her mother's boyfriend's teenage son, Karen went on to face her own demons in the form of anorexia, alcohol abuse, sexual promiscuity, and low self-esteem. And against all of these odds, Karen graduated as Val valedictorian of her high school and near the top five of her class at Duke University. She went on to receive her MBA and pursue a successful career in marketing in both the for-profit and not-for-profit sectors. She's now the executive director for COPE, which is a grief and healing organization dedicated to helping parents and families living with the loss of a child. And you can log on to KarenFlyer.com. Welcome, Karen.
4: Well, thank you for having me, Patricia.
2: Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot of stuff. You know, that's a lot of abuse. That's a lot of trauma.
4: It is. It is. I like to say that my story is uh, universally appealing but statistically unique and that everyone can relate to some part of it, but uh, it's unique in that few people have dealt with the sheer number of traumas that I have. Some inflicted upon me, and, and some self-inflicted. To be honest, mm. you know, I mean, what
2: do you say to people who even are going through a part of this? They've had sexual abuse, or uh, they've seen suicide. I mean, those are tough things.
4: Those What's are the first
2: things. thing that you would say to a parent? Dealing with this, so that their child uh, it doesn't have the same kind of abuse inflicted on themselves. Well,
4: I, I think the number one thing for parents to think about is their kids, because what happened in my instance, in my circumstance was that my father committed suicide when I was six years old, and this was after. Basically, being emotionally neglectful of me for the first six years of my life, I didn't even know he was there. I basically came second fiddle to a bottle of scotch and um that had a pretty profound impact on me on me even from the beginning to feel that loss and that abandonment and that sense that I, I wasn't good enough good enough a daughter and I couldn't compete with with alcohol, which is mm. pretty tough for a young child to deal with and after he committed suicide um and then subsequently. My uncle, my mother's brother, three months later, and in between that, my father's mother tried to come and take my brother away, me away from my mother, and as well as all of his belongings, saying, oh, you're mm. blaming my mother for my father's death. Uh, you know, my mother basically was consumed with her own grief and didn't really proactively come to me or really try, I think, look for ways for me to have an outlet for my grief. And, you know, in her defense, um, I didn't actually make my needs known. I tried very hard to be invisible to basically deal with my own grief internally mm-hmm. and not burden my mother with my grief because I saw she had so much of her own, and I think that's a pretty common reaction for a child. So um, what we
2: then do, uh, what we then do, Karen, is we internalize it,
4: absolutely. and it becomes
2: our fault, and we get quiet in our own shame.
4: We get quiet in our own shame and our own guilt and our own remorse. In my instance, I had a lot of guilt associated with my grief because my father did commit suicide and there were a lot of other uh, losses that I had of, you know, even my my family dog who I blamed the, the dog's death on myself, my cat, you know, I thought ran away because I was cruel. So I had a lot of early guilt in my life and... All of that internalized and not processed is what ultimately led to my own rebellious behaviors, which became became traumas in and of themselves, my Mm -hmm. own alcohol abuse, anorexia, sexual promiscuity, and general self-degradation that I carried with me from the time my father committed suicide up until I finally found happiness at the end of my book when I met my husband. Now,
2: I'm going to ask some questions about that first. You were raised by your mom, I assume.
4: Absolutely, yes. My mom and I had a younger brother who was two years younger than me.
2: And did you have support from her?
4: You know, ironically, she was a nurse, and then she went back to school and was a mental health professional. So, you know, she was there, but she was, uh, I I think she was more on the sidelines. And and the problem was she had her own grief. She Mm -hmm. was focused pretty dominantly on trying to find another father figure for me. She was actively dating. She was in... DSL, which was the single's life back in you know, in the late 70s. That's basically the organization a lot of single people belong to. She was going back to school to go from nursing to psychology. She was still working as a nurse, and we were left in the care of babysitters. So she was out there really trying to take care of our needs in a financial way, and in a way of you know looking for a father figure for us, but I don't recall her interacting with me so much on a day to day basis.
2: Now like, you said my own. you said that a lot of the unhappiness and the trauma went on until you met your husband, and then things changed. How were you able to find a healthy relationship with all of that?
4: I'm sorry, I didn't catch the How
2: were you able to find a healthy relationship in the trauma that you went through? Uh,
4: with a man or just yes. anybody? It, it was a long, tough road. I, I went through many, many, many uh, what I'll call abusive relationships, and not so much physically abusive but emotionally abusive. Mm-hmm. I had boyfriends in high school that used to say to me, don't wear that, it makes you look like a slut, and that makes me look bad. Boys who basically told me what to do and, and request, you know, basically I do whatever I, that I thought they wanted to do so that I wouldn't lose them. That's what my life was about, was so, okay. not being lost. Karen,
2: how do you turn that around? And I asked my last guest the same thing, because there are so many women that are going through that Absolutely. today that are picking emotionally unavailable or emotionally abusive men. So what What did you do to turn that?
4: Well, I think part of me always had this survival instinct, which is why through all of this I was valedictorian of elementary school, junior high, high school, yes. top 2% of two I think part of me had this survival instinct that basically saw what happened to my mother and how she got left and realized that I needed to take care of myself. So that really prevented me from falling off the track, from completely dropping out of school and turning to a life of drugs and rebellion. Mm -hmm. I basically said, I know I have to be able to get a good job and take care of myself. So I had this dual personality where I had this smart Karen and this party Karen, and, and I was not willing to give up either one. And basically after... 20 years of abusive relationships of men that were, as you said, looking for the man that was not emotionally available to me, I finally went to business school, and I think part of it was just me being in a supportive environment with people who really liked me for who I was and appreciated everything that I was. So the
2: supportive environment is key.
4: It was key, and basically what that helped me to do was, was first and foremost love myself and basically come to understand the fact that I deserved someone to be nice to me. And up until that point, I honestly thought it was my cross to bear to be with men that were abusive to me because I felt Mm I was not worthy. And it was being in a supportive environment where people were saying, were appreciative of how smart I was, how funny I was, how cool I was, and I didn't have to be anybody else. I could just be me and it was okay. And it was at that mm-hmm. point in my life, once I'd come to accept that of myself, that I met my husband. And my husband was the most generous, open, loving, kind of person I'd ever met. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, so, you're so what, I'm,
2: what I'm hearing is that the first thing you do is you start finding supportive people around you. You get away from anybody who's emotionally abusive. You
4: have to, leave, you have to get away from toxic people and put yourself in an, in an environment where people are supportive of you. And I happened to be you know, in a business school environment where I was removed from everything else and plopped into this environment where I was living there, sleeping there, going to classes there, eating, drinking, breathing there. So I was completely immersed in this new supportive environment. And it really helped me to learn to love myself. No, and I was, I was starting to say, I wouldn't have given my husband a second thought if I had met him 10 years earlier. He would have been
2: not a surprise for me. And how long have you been married?
4: We've been married now for 12 and a half years. We have two children, ages 10 and 6. We're extremely happily married. He's the love of my life. And mm-hmm. he's just my polar opposite, where I've been living a life of angst. He is even-keeled, knows no angst, is just the most supportive person you've ever met, and he helps.
2: So, you know, Karen, you are giving hope to people who are listening to this show and thinking, how can I do that when I keep choosing the wrong people?
4: And eventually, people, you will learn to choose the right people, but I think it comes first from getting into a supportive environment and being around people that like you, that love you for who you are, giving you that confidence who basically reject people that are toxic to you and choose people who maybe, maybe they're people, maybe they're guys that you normally would say, oh, they're just a friend. And for me, it was really understanding that true love is a friendship that blossoms. That was a, something that was mm. a very good friend. Yeah.
2: So, in other words, it's not just the romance. We get into the it trap is. Of, of the romance,
4: which is, which is important
2: in some ways, but not the whole story.
4: Exactly. I think having somebody that's your that friend that's compatible with you for as a friend first and foremost is the, the most important thing because the passion is important, but it does wither over time. And being with somebody who is good to you and I think makes you feel good about yourself is the most important thing. And my husband made me feel, from the moment he met me, that he adored me and mm-hmm. that I was fine just the way I was. And no one had made me feel that way before my entire life, including my father. Mm-hmm. I've been searching for It's so a
2: wonderful, wonderful yeah. story. We're going to take a break. How can people find you and your book?
4: My which book is called
2: is, Loss and Found. Loss
4: and Found, L-O-S-S and Found, it's available on Amazon, on barnesandnoble.com, and borders.com, and my website is www.karenflyer, K-A-R-E-N-F-L-Y-E-R, karenflyer.com, so it's available there, and there's a whole, you know, you can read the prologue, you can read some reviews, and uh, and so forth about the book.
2: All right. Okay, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we are talking to Karen Flyer. The name of her book is Loss and Found, and she's led quite a life. This is a memoir which chronicles the aftermath of suicide and childhood trauma and substance abuse into a life that is fulfilled and very happy, and that's what we're talking about today is how we transform that and show how we really can turn our obstacles into opportunities. And you're listening to Positive Living right here on voiceamerica.com. Write to me, Patricia, at patriciaraskin.com. And I'd love to hear from you and sign up for my newsletter as well. Again, you're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. And stay tuned. You can call us after the break if you're listening on April 20th at 866-472-5787. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back.
5: Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll free right now at 1 866 472 5787. 1 866
1: 472
5: 5787. That's it, that's it. VoiceAmerica.com.
3: If you want to put the pet back in your step, Chad Lafferty has just what you're looking for.
5: Uh, there you go you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent when you adopt a child from foster care just being there makes all the difference to learn more call 1-888-200-4005 a public service announcement brought to you by adopt us kids the u.s department of health and human services and the ad council son we gotta talk about drinking Uh, i know i don't want you touching alcohol till you're old enough
1: yeah i i know dad it's not a big deal
5: don't yeah i know me okay and it is a big deal underage drinking is just stupid
1: Yeah, well, why'd you do
5: it? Look, I did it because we didn't know what we know now. Alcohol affects kids differently, okay? When kids drink, it's more dangerous. And you're my kid. And just because they drink doesn't mean you have to. I I know. I know. Look, son, I'm trying to help. I've seen what it does. I mean, you may think you can handle it, but when you drink, it screws up your judgment.
1: Listen to me. This is real. I, I know, okay? I know. Teenagers know everything. So talk about underage drinking before they know it all. Before they're teens. Start talking before they start drinking. And keep talking. To learn more about the dangers of underage drinking and what to say to your kids, go to StopAlcoholAbuse.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council.
5: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin, right back here with you on Voice America, America's Voice. This is a program that really shows you how to turn your obstacles into opportunities, your problems into solutions, how to get the support you need, and how to make your dreams come true. And, boy, today is really the show for that. If it was any show today, is it had two women talk about two memoirs they've written about struggle, and how struggle and obstacles have turned into great opportunity. My guest is Karen Flyer, who has had quite an amazing story. She went uh, from... it. it, Her story actually is like a traumatic childhood that's fictionalized in novels. She dealt with unfit parenting. She dealt with subsequent suicide of her alcoholic, manic-depressive father, sexual abuse of her mother's boyfriend's teenage son, She went on to face her own demons of anorexia, alcohol abuse, and sexual promiscuity, and low self-esteem. And against all these odds, Karen graduated as Val valedictorian of her high school class, near the top of her class at Duke University. She got her MBA. She has a successful career in marketing for the profit and nonprofit sectors. And currently, she's the executive director for COPE. Which is a grief and healing organization dedicated to helping parents and families living with the loss of a child. She's new, she's certainly published numerous articles and lives in New York. And you can log on to KarenFlyer.com, dot com F L Y E R. Welcome back, Karen. Thank Karen, what are some lessons from your book that people can glean who you know have had a lot of trauma?
4: I think there there are basically two major lessons in my book, and, and the first is really about um, the fact that. You know, we all have control of, over our own actions. And, yes, terrible, terrible things happen to us. But well, ultimately it's up to us to decide how to react to those things. Uh, you know, people, I always say people can drive you to the edge of the cliff, but it's up to you whether you decide to jump off or turn around and walk away. You know, I had all these things done to me. My father committed suicide. I was sexually abused. I was emotionally neglected. Um, you know, but instead of basically checking out of life, I decided to turn my life around, to study hard, to be at the top of my class, to get good grades, to not let that part of me go. I chose, um, after basically being in an emotionally abusive relationship after one after the other, I chose later in life to be with somebody who made me feel good about myself. So we all have choices and we all have the power within us to to basically make those choices. You know, what, what made me give up the anorexia, which is really a disease about control, was realizing that it was controlling me and saying, you know what, that's not good anymore. I don't mm-hmm. like that. I don't like the fact that it's not controlling me, and I'm taking my control back. Mm-hmm. And at first, that control was not no, it also eats you up, so it it's very self-destructive. It it, it, it's self-destructive disease, and I basically said, no, I'm going to overcome this. I at one point had a knife to the to my wrist, and I was ready to kill myself because I, you know, I had breakup after breakup, but I felt just emotionally drained that no one loved me. But I ultimately said no because if I do that, I'm giving up control. I'm giving control to the guy who dumped me, who would be laughing at me after this, saying, mm-hmm. "Look what a spineless woman she is to do this yeah, all because Karen- of me." You know, what, do and, you,
2: what do you think about this concept in terms of? You know, you said you, you know, you had abuse and you had a string of abusive relationships, and then one day you found the right person. Right, and you have a wonderful marriage. The question is, how did you go from all of those negatives to the one positive? Did you gradually move away, and did your relationships start to get better and better, and then you met him? I think it, it
4: goes from the. It goes. It becomes. Two steps forward, one step back. Okay. As opposed to one step forward, two steps back, or, or even just stepping back the whole way. What happened was, you know, I, I had all these abusive relationships throughout high school. High school was a very terrible time for me. I went to Duke, and I met a wonderful man who I dated for three years, and he was just a wonderful, wonderful person. Once we graduated, we just weren't right for each other. Just, you know, it was one of those things that when, went, when we didn't have college in common anymore, all the common, I don't, fell aside, mm-hmm. he had nothing. Mm-hmm. It, it mm-hmm. was a very amicable breakup, but he was a ni- I, I honestly feel he was a nice guy. Then I got involved with several other, uh, I would say, abusive relationships, and then I had Baduzi, this one guy I got involved with who was horrible, a horrible, masochistic, terrible person who would make comments like, God, I wish I could kill everybody here because they're all annoying and... Ooh. You know, I only like five people in the world and you're one of them and that that, that makes you a very lucky person. I mean, He's mm. a really ridiculous person. But I felt he was my cross to bear and I felt like I deserved someone like him. So I basically went from having a very good relationship to a very bad one. And then when I went to business school, I got into a couple you know, relationships that were good and then I had one that was bad and a couple that was good. And then I finally met my husband. So I was gradually moving towards... Um, at least every other boyfriend being uh, nicer, being more okay, supportive. Okay, advice so
2: for women hearing this, advice who want the good relationships but aren't in them?
4: Entertain people you normally wouldn't think to go to. The people that you think, oh, they're just a friend, I can't think of them in that way. Give it a chance. You know, I, I was with my husband. We went out on a few dates, and I basically said to him, you know, I don't think this is going to work for me. I honestly felt there wasn't enough passion that for some reason... I'm thinking it's, this is too easy. It can't be right. It's too easy. So mm-hmm. I broke up with him, and he said to me, "You know what? Let's just hang out. We'll hang out as friends. Even if you don't want to date me, let's just let's just get to know each other." Mm-hmm. And the more we got to know each other, the more I realized that how I liked how I felt about myself around him. Mm-hmm. And even if that, you know, even if it wasn't the most passionate relationship I'd ever had, certainly the, the one I'd had with that abusive boyfriend before I went to business school was very passionate. But, you know, passion can have both positive and negative aspects to it. So, not that I don't have passion with my husband, don't get me wrong, but it was really more first about the friendship and being a companion for each other. Yes. And having that, the longevity to that that, that, that love we had for each other and that mutual adoration that you yes. have with other people. Great you know?
2: advice. All right, closing thoughts, some points from your book that you'd like people to get about making turning their lives around, Karen, as you did.
4: Well, I think, you know, again, don't, don't make yourself over into what you think other people want you to be. Be yourself and wait for those people to come to you. There are so many examples in my book where I, like a lot of other women, constantly tried to please other people, constantly tried to change myself into who they I thought they wanted me to be. The problem is once I got to be that person, they didn't want me anymore. Mm-hmm. So I got all this changing, didn't know who I was anymore, and was all for nothing. It backfired like 99% of the time. Because, frankly, men don't want women. that are always going to change for them and do what they want. They, they like a little bit of the thrill of the chase as well. So I think the number one thing is to be yourself, to learn to love yourself, and, and be patient. And people will the right people will come to you. I really believe that. And also having that inner pride, that inner self, you know, that sense of control, that, that self-esteem to feel like, you know, you know what, no matter what people do to you or say to you or what is done to you, people can control their own actions. They can decide, you know, basically what to do with their life. You don't like something, change it, really. It can happen. You can do it.
2: Mm-hmm. Karen, thank you so much for coming on the program. You're
4: welcome. And, again, my book is available on Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, Borders.com, and go to my website, www.carenslyer.com. You could read the pro- prologue to my book. There's My email address is on there. There's a blog. You can certainly learn more about the book and so forth. But,
2: and do you give talks as well?
4: I do. I do give talks. There's a schedule of appearances uh, on, my, on my website, my website. I've done talks at a lot of local local libraries on Long Island. Um, I think it's it's a great way to reach people through, okay. through the public libraries. Yeah.
2: Thank you so much for being Thank on for the line. Me, Thank you. My guest has been Karen Flyer, and her book is called *Lost and Found*. Karen Flyer's new memoir explores the struggle to heal from childhood trauma, and she's done it so well and is such an inspiration to so many people. Folks, you've been listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Remember to log on to patriciaraskin.com. I have a newsletter sign-up. We'd love to have you on the newsletter list, a blog, and a Positive Living campaign so you can tell us your stories. And I have another radio program, so please do log on to PatriciaRaskin.com and write to me Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. As I say at the end of each program, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin for Positive Living. Have a wonderful Monday and a wonderful week.